0: This episode of Dear Hank and John is brought to you by Blue Land. Did you know that uh, about 5 billion, b-b-b-billion, that's, a di- I checked that because that's a lot, plastic hand soap and cleaning bottles are thrown away every year. And if that's not bad enough, most cleaning formulas are 90% water, which is heavy. We're shipping around all this water using fuel when we don't have to. Every year, Americans throw away 25% more trash from Thanksgiving to New Year. This year, maybe, turn the New Year's resolution into action that makes a difference by switching to Blueland. Blueland is on a mission to eliminate single-use plastic by reinventing cleaning essentials to be better for you and the planet with the same powerful clean you're used to. It's a simple idea. They have refillable cleaning products, they have a nice Hello, and welcome to Dear Hank and John. Or as I prefer to think of it, Dear John and Hank, we are here
1: on a rooftop deck in Madison, Wisconsin. We're actually at the Madison Contemporary Art Museum, which has excellent shows if you happen to be in or near Madison, Wisconsin. We're on the road right now, but we're not going to let that stop us from making a quiet and somewhat subdued and and possibly illicit version of dear hank and john at some point we think a security guard is going to come up here and kick us <laughs> off of the roof deck but in the meantime we're going to start out here on the roof with a sculpture garden john yeah
0: how do you kill an elephant
1: with an elephant gun how do you kill a blue elephant gun? i know all of these jokes <laughs> i have a child <laughs> Two of them, in fact, with a blue elephant gun. Yeah. How do you kill a red elephant? You have to choke it till it's blue, and then you shoot
0: it with a blue elephant gun. How do
1: you kill a green
0: elephant? You have to embarrass it until it's red, choke it till it's blue, and then shoot it with
1: a blue elephant gun. How do you kill a <laughs> yellow elephant? I don't know. There are no yellow elephants, you idiot. <laughs> That's
0: good. It's good. How do elephants hide in cherry trees? How do elephants hide in cherry trees? And they have to paint their testicles red. <laughs> <laughs> What's the loudest noise in the jungle? What is the loudest noise in the jungle? A monkey <laughs> taking a bite out of a cherry. <laughs> uh, this is definitely appropriate conversation for How the do you, Madison yeah. Contemporary Art Museum. Yeah. How do you
1: know that there's an elephant in your refrigerator? You can't. Foot, you
0: know, footprints in the butter. Footprints in the butter.
1: <laughs> that's one of my kids' favorite yeah. jokes. They just, they can't get enough of it. They say foot, they can barely get out the words footprints in the butter before they start laughing. <laughs> oh, there's a truck that's coming by. I don't know if y'all can hear that. It's, and a it's, plane too. It's both a truck and a plane. We're being attacked from above and below.
0: Not to mention the nearby crickets. It's, it's a soundscape. It's what they call in the radio business... The soundscape.
1: I don't know if you can hear the wind, but there's also a very pleasant wind just wafting past nice, us.
0: gentle wind and a cricket nearby as well.
1: This is the opposite of your usual episode of Dear Hank and John. What we're really trying to get you to do is just calm down. The world is yeah. loud and a little <laughs> terrifying,
0: but there are still crickets. There is still wind yeah. on the face. And there are still apparently abandoned public spaces where you can just sit and see no one. This is
1: a really good art museum episode. I'm kind of bummed out that there aren't it's more people not, here right now. There's
0: one. It seems like the time. It's perfect uh, time for yeah, this. People, people, please come to the Madison Contemporary Art Museum. It's great. John, this first question comes from Kyle, who asks, Dear Hank and John, I'm studying chemistry at university, and I love it, especially when I got to talk about my research with others. My parents both work in marketing and have accepted that much of what I'm studying goes clear over their heads. But nonetheless... They're generally interested in what I do. When I tell them about a new project I'm working on, every time they ask without fail, are you safe? Yeah. There are many systems in play in my lab to keep me safe while I work with my nasty little friends, but I worry that the words flesh-eating bacteria will override my parents' interest in my work. Mm,
1: Yeah, I mean, they certainly override my interest in your work, Kyle. (laughs) I was all on board with an answer where I was gonna say, oh, Kyle, your parents (laughs) love you, and they just want, Kyle, get the hell out of that lab. (laughs)
0: <laughs> uh Kyle actually came to see us in Madison, so oh, thanks nice. for coming. And nice to see you last night, Kyle. I hope that uh, you had a good time. Is there another way to communicate the gravity and excitement of my research on flesh-eating bacteria that won't cause my parents worry? Well, you gotta create a euphemism for flesh-eating bacteria, mm-hmm. just like skin-munching bacteria. I was gonna say
1: something that's adequately technical that your parents won't also won't understand sure, what it means, yeah. like uh That's not
0: the technical name. Necrotic fasciitis. Oh god, that also, that's worse. It does sound bad. Is necrotic fasciosis a thing? If it is... It's it, similar. You know about a thing called necrotic fasciosis? The
1: words ring a bell in my head, but I don't <laughs> know exactly what they mean. You know? Yeah. I've done a lot of Googling over the years. <laughs> you had a zit one day. Yeah. And you were like... <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> there, there aren't a lot of disease processes I haven't researched, at least a little. So, Kyle, the answer to your question is that you got to talk about your work in a way that's adequately vague Mm -hmm. so when i ask hank to explain concepts to me in the sciences which i genuinely have a third or fourth grade level understanding of but also an interest in but also an interest in it's the same way i feel about skateboarding (laughs) very interested (laughs) in it not a lot of talent for it yeah I, I, I usually ask Hank to, to simplify more, and then if I need him to simplify less, that makes me feel good. So <laughs> I would start with being like, so listen, Mom and Dad, there are, believe it or
0: not, things that are alive that are too small to see. And just go from there. Or, or Kyle, maybe you can convince your parents that you don't have flesh. Oh. And be like, no, I'm immune. No, don't worry about it, Mom and Dad. I am, as it happens, an
1: artificial intelligence.
0: Yeah, when you sign up to work in this lab, they replace all your flesh. (laughs)
1: That's the first (laughs) step. They they took out all my parts. (laughs) This next question comes from Elliot, who writes, Dear John and Hank, I live in a small house with six other college students. We love each other a lot, and I'm very grateful to this found family that we've built together. Oh, that's great, Elliot. However, one of my housemates really wants to get a crock pot, an idea that I hate... (laughs) (laughs) I have no idea why I can't stand the thought of having a crock pot in one of our cabinets. How do I tell my housemate that they cannot, under any circumstances, purchase a crock pot?
0: I think that you may be confused about what a crock pot is. It's not just, like, the shoes... What? It's not like just pot for those crock shoes, the sandals. Oh, yeah. It's not just for cooking crocs. <laughs> no. It's it's, it's
1: it's for cooking lots of different things. Yeah. The other thing that I'm concerned about, Elliot, is that you might think that a crock pot is some sort of like very small nuclear weapon. Or, or a
0: drug thing for yeah.
1: meth. Yeah, it's not. It's not. <laughs> uh, a crock pot is uh, just a way of... Uh,
0: just an item for cooking food. Maybe, is it better if you call it a slow cooker? Because they started doing that. And they were like, I don't think people like the word crock pot. I think people are upset by the word crock pot. The crock pot people. Yeah. And they, then the people were like, I, re, I know what's up. We should call it a slow cooker. Which to me is like, I also hate this because I want food pretty much immediately the moment I start to cook it. Well, the great thing about a slow cooker, though, is you just like put it in the slow cooker. You
1: go to work. You come back and it's all... Uh, Whatever. The People who can think that far ahead astound me. Oh, I can think that far ahead. I I love to plan out what I'm going to eat in a day.
0: It's one of the highlights of my day. Oh,
1: man. All right. So what you're going to do, Elliot, is you're going to let your housemate get the (laughs) crockpot. Because you're
0: being the, you're the weird one here. Uh, No offense.
1: Don't ruin your amazing found family over a crockpot. Like I can't, I literally can't (laughs) think of a worse reason.
0: Yeah. You you seem really into your
1: found family. I think that you should support them. I feel like Hank is much further from the mic than me. I feel the opposite. Let's just have some quiet time real quick. Let's just listen to the sounds. Yeah. You know what I was thinking about? Mm. I was thinking about how this place must have been amazing and full of birdsong before people ruined it.
0: I was thinking about how the cricket was
1: listening to us and was like, okay, I will also be quiet. (laughs) I got the message, guys. We're having quiet time. I'm in. I like it. I've been been working so hard all morning. Thank you for five minutes off.
0: Alex says, Dear Hank and John, I finished the first draft of the first novel I've ever written about a month ago. Congratulations. And this novel, I'm this novel. And I'm I'm this novel.
1: Oh, God. Wait, this person is inside of the book. (laughs) Hank, it's happening. He put himself in. Metafiction has gotten so metafictional that now somebody is trapped in there. And they can email, though, so that's nice. Well, yeah, of course, they have access to text, but that's all they have access to. (laughs) (laughs)
0: I think what they mean to say is, in this novel, I've based the main character off myself because why wouldn't I? Almost immediately, I sent it to my best friend. She told me that she loved the book but hated the main character. (laughs) How should I deal with this information? Does she secretly hate me, or is it just the way I've portrayed myself? Pumpkins and penguins, Alex, I think many different things could be happening here. One is that we imagine ourselves differently than people around us imagine us, and we tend to be more negative about how we imagine many people probably most people tend to imagine themselves more negatively than the people around them do.
1: I think that's fair to say. I think that is probably going on. I don't think that your friend finds you annoying. I think your friend found this character annoying for the character's choices. And even if a lot of times, at least in my early experience writing when i when i wrote sort of autobiographically even when i would write about characters i felt like i knew intimately because i felt like pretty closely connected to them Mm -hmm. they would still make different choices from the choices i would make because they would make like narrative choices right (laughs) because it would be important to the plot yeah yeah and so like they would do things that i wouldn't do that maybe weren't likable yeah. because I wanted the character to come across a certain way. The real question is, did you intend for the main character not to be likable? Because if not, that may be a problem, or it may just be one reader read it that way.
0: Yeah. I, I also think that we sometimes hope for more out of book characters than out of real people.
1: That's true, too.
0: And then when, when book characters act like real people, we're like, well, that that I'm analyzing that in a way that I wouldn't with a real person. Yeah. Um, and I, like... You know, I find oftentimes when, when characters are portrayed realistically, they start to be, like, people say, like, that that was an unsympathetic character. And I'm like, well, no, I mean, like, we all make bad decisions.
1: Yeah, I I don't know when we introduced this idea that characters exist primarily on a likability unlikability uh, <laughs> spectrum. Yeah, like that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I don't find that spectrum that interesting or that mm. important. Like, is Hamlet likable? <laughs> is not the most interesting question that Hamlet has to offer us.
0: Yeah, I think that there's a lot of uh, sort of superheroes in fiction, and when it's yeah. when the person isn't Jason Bourne, it's right. like, oh, well, I want to. I kind of. Want to see like an ideal person not like a real person
1: yeah and th- that has its place I just think yeah, that absolutely I there- important I want room for lots of different kinds of reading and lots of different kinds of storytelling and I worry that when we put everything on that axis of likability unlikability we lose a lot of the richness of what story can do for us
0: yeah. This next question comes from Veronica, who asks, Liebe Grünbrüder. Oh, yeah. Is that German?
1: I mean, it was the best. I, are you fluent? <laughs> I moved out of my best friend's...
0: Do you, know, do you know what it means? I imagine it says it means dear green brothers. I think it means hello, idiots. <laughs> I moved out of my best friend's and my shared flat last year because I had the chance to get my own place uh, close to my work. So I did. My best friend was fine with it saying that she'd just get another roommate and sometime later she told me that a girl called Katrin would move into my old room. However, I've never seen Katrin at the flat or any proof of her existence. Yeah. I've even asked my friend if her roommate was a ghost and she only laughed a bit too loudly for my taste. Mm, Ghost roommate. So does my best friend actually live with a ghost? Of course.
1: No, what's happened is that your roommate has cracked the ultimate roommate code, which my friend Shannon and I cracked in the year two thousand two. I still remember the day Um, we were interviewing potential new roommates, Mm -hmm. and Dan, the architect, came over and Mm -hmm. he interviewed. And I hope I hope Dan, you'll forgive me for telling this story. (laughs) He said, "Listen, I am Catholic." And uh, my girlfriend is Catholic, and our four <laughs> parents are Catholic, <laughs> and therefore I need to rent a room in an apartment. <laughs> and, and we were like, My
0: parents, look at my finances.
1: And we were like, So you're saying <laughs> that he, you're going to use this room? Oh my God.
0: Only when your parents
1: visit. And he was like, Correct. And I was like, Welcome to the family. <laughs> you still have to do the dishes once a week though i mean dan (laughs) spent maybe five nights in that apartment in three years holy crap and he paid his we felt bad charging him a third of the rent but he was like i that's
0: the thing you could have somebody else paying a third of the rent you need that third of the rent right you have to yeah oh my god i love it yeah so that's what's happened she cracked the roommate code. She cracked the roommate code. Or, well, the thing about ghosts is they never pay rent. No, they're, they're terrible with that. That's at, like, 100% of the time. Or, though,
1: or when they do, they're pay. they they're like, oh, I, I only have ghost currency on me. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, oh, just God. Like, I've heard that before. Just like, they just,
0: like, pay it all in pennies all right. from the 1800s. Yeah. Oh, no. You,
1: you, you, I, don't have, I don't have cash for you, but I do have this uh, 19th century
0: blood-spattered dress. Oh, great. <laughs> Thanks. I've got this out-of-tune piano. Yeah, I'll take that to the pawn (laughs) shop, see what I can get for it. Just drop it from the ceiling every once in a while (laughs) for you. (laughs) Can a ghost be like my roommate in college and accidentally leave a piece of chicken between the newspapers and the recycling for three months? Mm, I mean,
1: no. Is because they don't exist? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, (laughs) (laughs) and <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I won't... Uh, okay, yes, ghosts can leave chicken, and I hate improv. Both are true. I had a Big Mac under the bed of my freshman dorm that arrived under the bed of my freshman dorm in October and departed from under the bed of my freshman dorm the day that I moved out of that
0: dorm in May. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. It was a seven-month Big Mac.
0: That's amazing. It was a dark time. I am so glad you made it through, John. Oh, Oh, that me. What a weirdo.
1: All right, let's answer this question from Sydney. I don't know if this is our mom or a different (laughs) Sydney, but... Sydney writes, Dear John and Hank, how did conspiracy theories get created and circulated before the internet? Like now we have Reddit and Tumblr and fake Instagram videos for it. But how did conspiracy theories get bigger than a few people before the internet? P. Sherman, 42 Wallaby Way, Sydney. (laughs) (laughs) So so it's a top class
0: (laughs) (laughs) finding Dory joke. Oh, good. So I was just at the farmer's market here in Madison, Wisconsin, and there were a number of people who wanted me to stop by their booths Uh, talking they weren't really booths I think that they are sort of free speech in it down there Mm -hmm. talking about one thing or another Um, and that's not really an internet activity they were really there was a a, a dinosaur found at the bottom of the deep sea that disproves evolution and they wanted me to know about it right so there's that strategy. Mm-hmm. There's a phrase called
1: getting on your soapbox that comes from people really standing on soapboxes yep. and saying whatever they wanted to say, which sometimes would be like, people need human rights, including the right to free expression. And sometimes would be like, the moon landing was fake. Yeah. And so in a world of free expression, you have all of those voices together. And then, and then once information started to be distributed differently, all of those vehicles were used for disseminating incorrect information. That was the case in newspapers. Mm-hmm. Newspapers with many newspapers fostered conspiracy theories. It was the case in on radio, like oh, even God, early even, radio, oh, was so AM like a, radio. Yeah. AM radio during our childhoods like that's how you found out that like Nixon was married to an alien and, yeah. and and Nixon's daughter
0: was half alien and it's the same you know like it's it's funny to be like how did you, ideas spread before the internet the same way like books people wrote books about how the Kennedy assassination was faked and people talked about it and like information spreads like yeah it doesn't it Like, information spreads more efficiently now, yes, but it always spread. And, like, the story of the human is, like, the story of being able to spread information more efficiently and quickly. Right. And that's... Really, the thing that, like, freaks me out about right now the most, uh, like, you can say that, like, weapons technologies are kind of the scariest thing, but communications technologies are the thing that shifts society the most. And we've never had a revolution in communications technologies like we are having right now.
1: I think we have had one before, but it was also very, very destabilizing, and it was when the printing press was introduced. Yeah. I mean, within 50 years of the introduction of the printing press, the number of books uh, went up by like a factor of a million or something yeah. crazy like that. And it was very destabilizing. I think that we are going through a weird time, and it is partly because our, our ways of technology are changing. And that means the systems that we've built up over the last few centuries to kind of deal with incorrect or misleading or sensationalized information, those systems aren't working very well right now because those systems are built for communication strategies that most people aren't using. I remember when I was a kid, somebody gave me, like I was walking around Mm -hmm. Lake Eola. Oh yeah, this happened to me too. In Orlando. And somebody gave me a a book that was essentially like a book of conspiracy theories. Yeah. And 12-year-old me just ate... It up. Mm-hmm. Like I remember one of them was that Stephen Hawking, the physicist, um, had actually died in, in 1972 and had been replaced with a different physicist. And the evidence for it seemed so overwhelming and obvious when it was presented mm-hmm. in this conspiracy yeah. theory format. Mm-hmm. And you see how, especially in a world of lots and lots of data, you see how you can find data points that support your feeling that there are, like, big forces at work in the world trying to make things bad for you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think, like, it's very appealing to be able to think you know something big that other people don't. It's sort of like a shortcut to being powerful. Right. Or at least in your own, sort of, like, comfortable in your own power, and it's sort of a shortcut to feeling smart. Yeah. Well, you're in
1: on something that other people don't know about. Mm-hmm. It's the, our, the the phrase in our childhood was sheeple. You know, that like
0: Yeah, they still use that one. Do they still say yeah. that?
1: Sorry, I haven't I'm, I'm not <laughs> not familiar with the, what the kids are doing. <laughs>
0: This is a really important question, John, that I don't think that we have really covered okay. <laughs> adequately. That people, it probably uh, many people have it. Dear Hank and John, I was recently scrolling through your most popular Vlogbrothers videos and noticed that nine of the 14 of your top videos have to do with <laughs> giraffe mating or another type of animal. Yeah. I found this particularly odd, as you have both made, in my opinion, much more interesting content. So <laughs> I guess my question is, why are your most viewed videos all about giraffe sex? Who finds that appealing, giraffes and giraffes? Geranium's Christina. Who finds that appealing? First of all, giraffes are fascinating.
1: And giraffe mating habits are especially fascinating because male giraffes hit female giraffes in the bladder and then drink their pee to find out if they're ovulating. Like, that's the kind of stuff that in 2007... America's 14-year-olds found it irresistible.
0: Yeah, no, not just America either. We were that, that video was huge all over the world. It's true. It's really our only global hit. <laughs> it's the only time we've really broken out of the English-speaking world. So, Christina, one of the things that you'll notice if you look at a giraffe is you'll think to yourself, wait, how? Yes, what? Right. And so I think that's part of it. People sitting around a table just like we are right now at a contemporary art museum will talk about giraffes and be like, wait, but no, how does that work? Yeah. And then they Google it and our video comes up.
1: Right. And it's the same thing with the other animals. So back when Hank and I were trying to get lots of YouTube views.
0: <laughs> it was very interesting to try and do that. Yeah, it was, it a, was exciting. It was a good game. It felt,
1: yeah, it felt like, a, it, it felt, it felt important in a way <laughs> that frankly today it doesn't. Yeah. But back when we were really obsessed with that, We noticed, of course, that people responded to these videos. And the videos that they responded the most to were the ones with weird mating habits. But more than that, the ones with, like, anatomies that would make you say, How? What? Does that... Like tortoises, mm-hmm. etc.
0: Yeah, and also there was a time when YouTube rewarded a click much more than it rewarded a watch. Yes. so a lot of people clicked on the thumbnail just because they wanted to watch a giraffe do it. And then, and then, they, then they were like, "Oh, this man is talking about giraffe sex. I'm not really interested in the details." I just want to see it happen.
1: Right, right. That's very true. The other thing, though, is that there is a small subset of viewers of those videos, um, one of whom left a comment that is seared in my memory in a way that no other YouTube comment ever has oh, been. Oh, no. um, Can you please do more videos of animals kissing and other? <laughs> it's the and other That I can never forget. I really like it. The last thought I'll ever have will be, and And other. uh, (laughs) All of my other memories will be gone. (laughs) I'll be alone in a nursing home, and my eyes will flash open, and those will probably be my accidental last words. And other. And other are actually pretty good last pretty words, good. but not in, the, not not in, that, in that context. context.
0: <laughs> no, no one will know. Everyone will have forgotten. And then someday someone will listen to this podcast and be like, oh, you guys thought it was some deep thing. No, he yeah. was thinking about giraffes boning. Right. Yeah. <laughs> It'll
1: be like the rosebud of my life. By the way, I uh, I just watched Citizen Kane. Mm-hmm. It's, I know that it's the best movie of all time, but it is very good. <laughs> Like everybody talks about how it's the best movie of all time, yeah. and so I assumed that like that it was going to be kind of torture to watch. Right, but it was great. <laughs> it was really it. It is really good. I get why Maybe people are psyched about it. it. Oh, it's really good. Man. I've had the thing spoiled. It's not like the uh, it's not like the sixth Harry Potter movie or anything. Like the spoilers to Citizen Kane are are not especially devastating. <laughs> Which reminds me, actually, Hank, that today's podcast is brought to you by Citizen Kane. Citizen
0: Kane. John recommends it. This podcast is also brought to you by your ghost roommate. Always a little bit late with the rent. Always late on the rent. And and also inflation is so much that they just can't get it together. Oh, yeah, it's just, just like, been a lot.
1: What do I what do you what do you need? I got 12 cents. Yeah, that's that's a lot, right? Yeah, in my day that could buy you a Model T and a Picasso. <laughs> Today's podcast is also brought to you by the Madison Museum of Contemporary Art. The Madison Museum of Contemporary Art, the unwitting hosts to our episode (laughs) of Dear Hank and John.
0: (laughs) And this podcast is brought to you by Skin Munchy Bacteria. Skin Munchy.
1: So we all know there are things in life that you have to compromise on, but there are two things that you shouldn't compromise on. One is name brand Dr. Pepper. The off-brand stuff just doesn't hit the same. And another is, of course, your health. So don't go back to that one doctor who uses your appointment to catch up on the latest headlines or their family group chat or the crossword puzzles just because they're available right now or take your slightly sketchy insurance. Instead, check out ZocDoc the place where you can find and book doctors who will make you feel comfortable, listen to you, and prioritize your health. And you can search by location, availability, and insurance, so literally no compromises here because with ZocDoc you've got more options than you know. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. You can filter specifically for ones who take your insurance, are located near you, and treat basically any Condition You're searching for and the typical wait time to see a doctor booked on ZocDoc is between 24 and 72 hours. So go to ZocDoc.com slash DearHank and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top rated doctor today. That's zocdo slash DearHank. ZocDoc.com slash DearHank.
0: Bacteria. It's cute. Necrosis. <laughs> John, this question actually comes from our show last night. We didn't get to it, but it was somebody in the audience who sent this one in. It's from Trisha, who asks, Dear Hank and John, Mamma Mia is my favorite movie, and it's slowly becoming my only personality trait. How can I stop <laughs> relating every situation in my life to the plot or songs of Mamma Mia? That being said, my ambulance song would be S.O.S. by ABBA. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing. This is actually a pretty easy one to solve because I've
1: been in this boat before, where you love something so much that it becomes difficult to talk or think about anything else. Yeah. So the key to this solution is watching the movie *Mamma Mia 2: Here We Go Again*. <laughs> because then like, you'll never, you'll never talk about *Mamma Mia* again. I like is it *Here We Go Again*? Or here I go. Here we go again. I, I believe it's called *Mamma Mia 2: Here We Go Again*.
0: Here we go. Yeah, uh, yeah I guess it is. But
1: the subtitle should have been *Mamma Mia 2: All the Dads*. Every
0: dad. <laughs> The subtitle should have been, Mamma Mia 2. Hank actually didn't realize that the dads were going to show up. And that 100% surprised him so much and he cried. I'm concerned that I might have I stolen that joke. Okay. I'm
1: searching for Mamma Mia 2, all the dads, and I'm not seeing anything. But if I stole that joke, I'm sorry to whoever I stole it from. <laughs> but... Do you ha- have this in your life sometimes where you get so into something that yes. everything seems to relate to it? That's the music video for S- Smash, Smash Mouth All-Star. All-Star. Of course. For me, it's usually a breakup. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm sure you remember this, Hank. Yeah, like, yeah, after yeah. my big breakups for six six months to a year, mm-hmm. no matter what someone said, I would be like, oh, that reminds me of my heartbreak, which is ongoing <laughs> and omnipresent. <laughs> One time, I saw someone open a car door and I thought to myself, She opened a car door just like that. (laughs) Oh, my God. So that's the key, though, is just get your heart broken and you'll stop thinking about Mama
0: Mia. (laughs) As we have said before, diversify your identity. There is more in the world than Mama Mia. This next question comes from Iris, who we did meet last night, I remember. Yes, they were nice. Uh, Iris, it was great to meet you. Who asked, Dear Hank and John, how would fandoms in online communities be impacted by a devastating worldwide apocalypse-level event? Oh, that is a great question.
1: <laughs> that How would different fandoms respond to the apocalypse? Yeah. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reveal my bias here and say that I, I genuinely think the Harry Potter fandom
0: would... Yeah, come, come together. Come together and, like, work... They do this. They do the spell that goes up into the sky, and they'd be like, "Everybody gather around." Yes, I think it's called Periculum, which is something that I that's, shouldn't know. That's a deep cut. Yeah. <laughs> then <Just laughs> you gather at Joe Rowling's house. Hey, we're big fans. We've heard you, we hear you have stuff.
1: <laughs> you, uh, we believe you have resources, uh, which are now in short supply. <laughs> um, then there's the like contemporary young. Usually, oh, no. shirtless YouTuber. Oh, no, oh, no.
0: Yeah. Where the guy is like, So, y'all, wild day yesterday, right? So many people died. It was like super sad. Hey, everybody. What's up?
1: Uh, really, I mean, half the human race gone in one. Yeah, it's crazy. So, merch link in the bio. <laughs> but, uh, man, I just, it's a uh, tough. Tough day for everybody, but you know, if we're looking at it honestly, also kind of a great day, right? Uh, Maybe a good day to get a today is a great day (laughs) t-shirt. I think I think the uh, AM radio fandom would do really well. Oh God, they would! <laughs> I mean, the AM radio people would just be—they would get on on AM radio and they would be like, "I told you so!" <laughs> oh my God, I've been talking about this for fifty years. It's like, they would have that like weird glee that sometimes people mm. have when bad things
0: happen that right. they've been predicting. Oh yeah, that's the worst thing about thinking something bad is going to happen is that when it happens, you're like, "See." And it's like, I shouldn't have a good feeling today. No, you don't
1: want to be... No. You never want to be gloating in the face of tragedy. No, never. It's the the worst look. Yep. But no, I think the AM radio community would crush it. Also crushing it, of course, the survivalists who would live an extra three weeks but then still (laughs) die like the rest of us.
0: Yeah. I think that, Iris, you are optimistic about the ability of internet systems to survive an apocalyptic event. Yeah. The cloud would cease to be cloudy very rapidly.
1: Right. One of the weird things that would happen is that the last YouTube video, it's very possible that the last YouTube video would have absolutely nothing to do with whatever the cataclysmic event was. The last YouTube video ever uploaded might be somebody like, hey, you'll never guess what my cat did today. Yeah. And then
0: like, Oh, well, look. Uh, I think that we're not going to go extinct as a species.
1: Yeah, I do. Sometimes feel like I need to reassure people about this because yeah. there there is this eschatological anxiety mm-hmm. that I I remember. I remember happening before, I remember it happening in the 1980s, when I was a kid, and we would have to do these drills where we literally got under our desks mm-hmm. to prepare for a nuclear bomb attacking Orlando, Florida. Yeah, And there was an expectation that at some point in the next few decades, there would be a cataclysmic nuclear war, and there was a lot of anxiety about the end of the human species and people feeling like they didn't want to have kids when the human species was about to end. And now we are facing a lot of that same anxiety, and I do not in any way want to minimize our problems because I think our problems are real, and in some cases they are existential. But I also think that we are not about to go extinct. Civilization is not about to end, barring something, you know, very unforeseen, like a you know, yellow, meteorite, st- meteorite or yellowstone, or yellowstone super, super yep. volcano yeah. or a disease that spreads quickly through the world because we refuse to fund primary healthcare systems in impoverished countries because we don't think that people are people. Short of that, I really do think we are going to be able to adjust. Mm-hmm. Every other time, people thought the world was about to end and they have thought it many, many times. They have been wrong. Now, eventually, they will be right, but not today. <laughs> So the, wind, uh, the wind's starting to pick up, as you may be hearing, uh, and that means that it's time for the news from Mars and AFC Wimbledon. Hank, I'll go first. AFC Wimbledon played maybe the only team in League One that's definitely worse than us. Ackington Stanley got a red card, and we tied. <laughs> we tied. We got our first point of the season. There's two ways of looking at this. One way is that after three games, we've... Only got one point. Another way is that we are in 18th place, well out of the relegation zone, uh, in no small part thanks to Barry and Bolton Wanderers having respectively negative 12 and negative 11 points. So, AFC Wimbledon not doing well. Definitely alarm bells going off. I I would say at this point we're looking at a level 9 crisis so it's not catastrophic, it's not cataclysmic, but boy, I want to stay in League
0: one for one more season. And a news from Mars, John. Elon Musk uh, really w- apparently wants to nuke Mars. Yes. It's back. It's a sign of it's
1: a sign of the tremendous stability he has as an executive and as a person.
0: <laughs> he just tweeted, "Nuke Mars," uh, with an exclamation point. Mm. Uh, it's got 230... 39,000 likes, so apparently that's how you get big on Twitter. It's just you want to nuke Mars. Of course the plan to nuke Mars is to introduce a lot of energy to the system, potentially evaporating a lot of the carbon dioxide ice, which would create a larger greenhouse effect, which would increase the overall warmth of the planet, and also potentially the atmospheric pressure, which would make it easier to live on the planet. It certainly wouldn't make it so that we could like walk around or anything. That's the idea. No one has any idea if it would work. But there's only one way to find out, which is to nuke Mars.
1: <laughs> I mean, can I just say on a personal note that if we nuke Mars before sending people to Mars, that will be the most both the most Elon Musk thing I- imaginable and the most human thing imaginable mm-hmm. that like, all right, we do we do want to settle this planet. but first, nukes. <laughs> <laughs> like, I understand the reasoning behind it, but it just seems to me like we don't have nearly enough information to make yeah. that even a remotely good idea.
0: Yeah, well, uh, we've never engineered a planetary system, uh, except for the once. We're doing it a little bit right now here yeah. on Earth. Yeah. Uh, and not on purpose, but it's yeah. happening. Yeah. Uh, my worry is that if we nuked Mars and it worked, we'd just nuke everything else. <laughs> like, <laughs> nuke, jup- 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 nuke Jupiter. Hashtag nuke Jupiter. <laughs> <laughs> hashtag nuke the sun. <laughs> <laughs> worked on Mars. Maybe we could live everywhere. How <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, come over and come say hi. podcast. Yeah, so that's
1: that's the news from Mars. Uh we've oh we've we we've just been spotted by some <laughs> friendly people who I think are going to come over and uh say a quick hello. Hold on. <laughs> Come say hi.
0: What's your name? Unbelievable,
1: Taylorator. Taylor, nice to meet you. How's John. it going? Hi, Good hi. I'm Hank. I'm Annika. Hi, Annika. Annika, nice to meet you. you. How's it going? Good. How are you guys? Good. Good. How's the art museum? I feel like I've seen your necklace before. Oh. I mean, I, I even not
0: know where it's from actually. Oh,
1: it's cool. <laughs> well, <laughs> Thank we're, you. We're Maybe... checking it
0: out. I haven't really got to you know, the exhibits yet. I really couldn't nice. finish
1: my coffee. Oh yeah, yeah. I you're not to to allowed to take the take take it in there.
0: Do you think we should nuke Mars? Oh, Elon Musk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's um, he's informed. He I don't is. think it'll work cuz I think it'll evaporate over time and it won't actually form in an atmosphere. It's, it's kind of yeah. Science I read on it. Oh wow, he's he's up to date. We got Taylor knows them, Taylor knows way more we're than doing we do. Mars maybe Mars maybe, Mars right maybe, now. maybe we should replace Tank with Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So we don't mean to interrupt yeah. you guys. No, well, it's great out. to meet you. Really yeah. a pleasure. Yeah, nice meeting you guys. Yeah, yeah. take care. Have a good rest of your day. Thank you. And with that, John, thank you for potting with me today.
1: It's been a pleasure. And also thanks to Taylor and Anika for dropping by.
0: Yeah, absolutely. If you want to send us your questions, you can do that at hankandjohn at gmail.com. Thank you to everybody who sends them in. We had a great show in Madison yesterday. Uh, That'll come out as a podcast uh, sometime in the future. Uh, We're doing a Minneapolis tomorrow. And that also will be a podcast sometime in the future. And
1: we're going to be doing more of this touring over the next year to support... Uh, our community's project to reduce maternal mortality in Sierra Leone. So look for tour dates coming up. Thank you again for listening. This podcast is edited by Joseph Tuna Medish. Our head of community and communications is Victoria Bongiorno. We're produced by Rosianna Hals-Rojas and Sheridan Gibson. Our editorial
0: assistant is Deboki Chakravarti. The music you're listening to right now is by the great Gonerola. And as they say in our hometown, don't, don't forget, forget to be, to be awesome. awesome.